In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I'm going to share my thoughts on five sophomores that I believe can make the big sophomore jump this season. Stay tuned to find out which five I believe are due for a breakout sophomore campaign. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. I want you to like, I want you to share, and I want you to subscribe to this channel. That is the best way to help us grow the channel. When I say us, I'm talking about my crew, Leaf Tulane, Richard Stamen. We have another person that we probably will be adding to the team pretty soon, but we need everybody to like, share, subscribe, comment. That is the best way we can grow the channel because basketball season is here and NBA draft coverage is going to be ramping up here at NBA Big Board. And that's why this episode is dedicated to five players that I believe could have breakout sophomore campaigns. Now, I know you're probably going to wonder why I'm not going to talk about Donovan Klingon, Riley Kugel. There's a few of those guys that are pretty obvious choices that are due for big sophomore years, guys that probably could have been drafted or flirted with the draft this past spring. But this group of guys that I'm going to discuss today didn't have big stats, didn't have crazy numbers. You may have seen some on draft boards here and there, but I believe they are due for huge sophomore seasons. All right. The first player that I want to discuss, actually the two players that I want to discuss first are guys that if you look at their numbers, you're not going to be blown away. Didn't put up big numbers, but there are two players, Rylan Griffin from Alabama and Terrence Arsenault from Houston. I believe that their role that they played as freshmen was very... It, it basically did not showcase their full abilities. Both were on teams that are competing for national titles. Both were on teams where they shared the spotlight with another freshman that was a lottery pick. Veteran teams. So you look at Riley Griffin at Alabama. He was behind Brandon Miller, who was a second pick. And then you had Noah Clowney emerge as a first-round pick. They had Javon Quinley. I mean, they had a, a good team. I think they were like 31-3. and three. And so Ryland played a role as like a, a spot-up shooter, and that was the role that he had to play. So he didn't get a chance to, to get loose, as I should say. And the same thing for Terrence Arsenal. was on a veteran Houston team that featured two guys that were selected in the first round, and Jairus Walker and... Um, Marcus Sasser. So he did not have the, op the opportunity to showcase his full arsenal. So both guys were limited to basically these roles as spot-up players, didn't get a chance to make a lot of decisions with the ball, play with the ball often. And even though I think both have promised as a shooter, I think if you limit them to a role where that's all they're doing and like the majority of their shots are threes, then you're not going to get the best of them. But this year, I think it's going to be totally, totally different because they're going to have a, a more prominent role in the offense. And I think you're going to see them showcase why there are some people that believe they could be first round picks. All right. First, I'll talk about Rylan Griffin. Rylan Griffin is a player that is used to playing 
in a complimentary role. In high school, he was Casey Wallace's teammate. And then I remember watching him play in AAU. He played on the team that had Keontae George and Jordan Walsh, two guys that were drafted this year. So he's played with draft picks from Brandon Miller to Noah Clowney to the two guys that I mentioned on his AAU team and then even Casey in high school. So he has played a complimentary role. And I think this year is probably the first time in a long time that he's probably going to have the freedom to be the number one guy. And so some may think that Alabama may have another player that could be their number one option. But based off of everything that I've been hearing is that Rylan Griffin has been having a phenomenal camp heading into a sophomore year. And I'm just going to give you some thoughts about his game. Now, don't be fooled by the numbers. When you look at the numbers, you don't see an efficient player. Only shot 36% from the floor, 30% from three. But one thing about Rylan Griffin is he is a very confident scorer. He was unafraid to let it fly. And I think that confidence is going to translate to him when he has a bigger role. He does have some creativity off the dribble. He can score in transition. He is a player that, again, like I said, I think he was very limited to his role, but he did what it took to win. And he was on a very, very good Alabama team. And I believe that with a bigger role, you're going to see more flashes of what he can do, whether it's in the open floor, in the half court, you're going to see him make plays with the ball. And I think the shooting percentage is going to increase significantly. Now, there are some people that wonder, like, all right, he played with two first round picks and he had an easy role. So if he only shot 30% from three when he was getting open looks, what makes you believe that the three-point shooting is going to increase with the bigger role? And I would, I would understand that argument, but I believe that the shot looks good. It's not like the mechanics are bad. I think the shot looks a lot better than the percentage. And it's just a situation where I believe that the numbers are going to increase. Now, even if he shoots, let's say 30% from three this year again, but he's up to the mid forties and above from the field and he's gotten stronger and he's able to, you know, get more easy looks, whether it's getting downhill and so on, then I think he's going to be a 15 point per game score. So I think he is due for a breakout year. And then there's Terrence Arsenal. Arsenal is the type of player that NBA teams covet in a wing, has a long wingspan. I think he's like 6'7 with a 7 foot, 7'1 wingspan. He's athletic. He showed flashes of being able to create off the bounce. He showed a couple plays where he had some buckets in the mid post. Uh, one of the things I like about him was that he can attack a closeout. And so once he becomes a, a more efficient shooter from deep, I think that's going to open up his game as far as attacking closeouts. He loves to pump fake, get the defender in the air, shoot a wonderful pull up, but he can't score at the rim. Now you look at his numbers, very, very inefficient from the floor, only shot like 25% from three, 50 something percent from the foul line. I do believe that He's a better player than the numbers indicate. But what I like about Terrence Arsenal is that he chose to go to the University of Houston. Now, he's from Beaumont, so the University of Houston was close. But when you go to the University of Houston, you're not planning on getting in and getting out. You're going there to be coached. You're going there to be coached hard. You're going there to become tougher 
and you are going to the University of Houston to become a better defender. So I think for Arsenal, if his mind was set on getting in and out, maybe he goes to a different school. So we know that he has been coached, but I think there are some flashes uh, of, of a ball handler. I think there's flashes of a playmaker. I spoke with someone earlier today, and they believe that he could be a B plus or A minus defender in the NBA. And they believe that there's definitely more upside as a pick and roll playmaker than he was able to show. So Ryland Griffin and Terrence Arsenal are two guys that I believe are due for big breakout sophomore campaigns. Stay tuned. Find out who else I believe is due for a huge sophomore jump. But before we get into the second segment, I want to talk to you, the listener, about Ibotta. Now, football season is here. So that means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip. Whatever you prefer at your tailgate, go all out and you can get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. The weather is getting cooler. That also means it's time to stock your closet with winter clothes. And with Ibotta, you can get cash back when you buy winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves, sweatshirts, and more for the whole family. And the holidays. Cannot forget about the holidays. It's crazy because holiday season is right around the corner. And you may have a long list of gifts that you need to buy. But don't just spend money on everyone else without getting anything in return. And when you use Ibotta, you can start getting cash back because Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure that you are beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. All you have to do is link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you can get cash back. It is that easy. Now these other apps, they give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you can get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or your gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start using Ibotta, Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So download the Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and start earning real cash back. So just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the app for free, and the Ibotta app, use the code LOCKED, and you can start earning cash back. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, and use the code LOCKED. Once again, big thank you to each and every person that has tuned in and listened to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast during the slow offseason, but basketball season is back. And in the next episode, I have my guys, Leaf Tulane and Richard Stamen. We are going to discuss some guys that we believe could make an impact as a two-way player. Some guys that are two-way players that we believe could possibly convert their two ways into a standard contract. We just go over some of the two-way guys that will be under contract in the 23-24 season. All right, back to sophomores that I, can, that I believe can have a huge jump. Now, the next prospect is a player that I think is in good position to have a huge, huge sophomore season. He's a player that, when you look at his numbers, they weren't impressive. But... I think that he was hiding in plain sight. I think with an expanded role, he could even be a first-round pick. And the player that I'm talking about is Roddy Gale from Ohio State. I think he's a first-rounder. I love his frame at 6'4", about 205. 
He's powerful, but he's an explosive scorer. He can shoot off the, off the dribble. I think that there is upside for him to be a three-level scorer or show that he can be a three-level scorer this season. Again, the, the, the role was limited last year. Played behind um, Bryce Sensenball, who was, you know, the, the freshman that got all the shine. But Roddy Gale can play. Not only can he score the ball, I think he's a gifted scorer, but he is one of the few guys that can score, create his own shot, whether it's attacking the rim, getting to his spots off the floater, can, can make athletic plays at the rim, that can also shoot. He shot 40, basically 43% from deep. Now, it wasn't a large sample size of attempts, but the fact that he can play off the ball and create his own shot is something that... That, that really caught my attention. He's tough, plays through contact. I mean, you look at the frame, you have to love the frame. And one of the things that I like is that when he, get, when he drives to the basket, it doesn't have to be always at the rim. He has a soft touch floater. He's got like that, that sweet spot where it's right in between a, a pull-up jumper and, and a floater that he can make those shots. He can handle. He's from New York, so you know New Yorkers usually got a little, you know, a, a little pizzazz to their game when it comes to creating off the dribble. But again, he's a good shooter. Shot 41.7% off jumpers off the catch, so he can play a complementary role. I like him as a cutter. He's an intuitive cutter, and he knows how to, to to keep defenders engaged because you have to respect him as an outside shooter, but also. Once the defender gets lazy, he goes back door, and that's where you, you really get a chance to see like some of his athleticism. There is one play that caught my attention where he drove down the lane and he, I mean, finished with an emphatic dunk over the defender. So the athleticism is there. I think he has upside as a passer. I do think that you, you may not see it a lot this year, but I think down the line you will be able to see him get on-ball reps and be able to make plays for others as maybe like a secondary playmaker. He had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio, and he can make reads on the move. Now, what I would like to see him improve on this year is the pull-up jumper. I believe he can make it. Only shot 25% on pull-up jumpers, but I, I think that he has the potential to be a three-level scorer simply because... He makes the floaters. He has the touch to make floaters. And so I think that, you know, the way the stats are kind of broken down, if it's, if it's like a runner, he's pretty efficient on that. But as far as like the pull-up jumper off the dribble, which is not necessarily always, always pull-up jumpers in the mid-range. It can be tough contested threes off the dribble. So, but just looking at the stats, he only made 25% of his jumpers off the dribble. But again, I still believe that he has the potential to be a three-level scorer. Uh, the next prospect that I want to talk about is Kylan Boswell. Boswell played a limited role at Arizona, and I think he is also due for a breakout sophomore campaign. Now, he is going to share the ball in the backcourt with Caleb Love. I think that is going to be one of the more interesting backcourts in the country. But Boswell, 6'2", 195, also has a strong frame and broad shoulders. He loves to push the ball in transition. He is at his best in the open floor. He is what I consider a transition playmaker. He passes the ball ahead. He's fast in the open floor. He's just dangerous with the ball in the open court. And I think that suits the NBA. I like him as a shooter. He's a very confident shooter. 
He's a shifty ball handler. He can get to his spots. He can make the defenders dance. He has the offensive creativity that I like. But I like the passing. I love the court vision. I love guards that can whip live dribble passes. I love guards that that play with this confidence in their passing ability. Sometimes, you know, it, it may be the high-risk, high-reward pass. But I like that. I like these point guards that can come off the pick and roll. And if it's a guy open in the corner or, or sliding in the corner, they are not afraid to whip that live dribble cross-court pass. And that is Kylan Boswell. So I love the passing. I like his decision-making. He makes quick decisions. Not one of these guards that holds on to the ball and, and, and doesn't process things fast. So I love the fact that he processes things quickly. I love his feel and his IQ. And he's a shooter. He's a shooter that can create his own shot. He can create space with his handle. And I'll just give you some of the numbers. He shot 40%, 40.8% on jumpers last season, 41% on jumpers off the dribble, 41% on jumpers off the catch. And he shoots it equally well off the catch, whether he's guarded or unguarded. So I love his upside as a shooter. He shot 39% from three and was pretty efficient from the floor. 45, 39, 79 shooting splits and he had nearly a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Now, if there was a concern that I have and what I would like to see from him is that he doesn't necessarily apply a lot of pressure to the rim. He has to handle and a shake-and-bake to create separation to get to his jumpers, not necessarily to, to get to the basket. He is a, a good shooter, but he settles for a lot of jumpers, especially in transition. I love to see him attack the rim more in transition. I think if he shows that he can put pressure on the rim and become a walking paint touch, I think that he could put himself in the conversation as a first-round pick. I mean, the 2024 draft is wide open. It is very wide open. So there's like a range of maybe 30 to 45 guys that I can be like, oh, I think he can be a first-round pick. And Boswell is one of them. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this season as far as um, just getting to the rim and applying more pressure on the rim because the passing is there, the shooting is there, whether it's from deep, off the dribble, off the catch, but I would just like to see him get to the rim a little bit more. All right, the last segment, I'm going to talk about another player that is slowly generating a draft buzz, even though the numbers, just they just don't wow you. I mean, he did not have a good season statistically in a sense for for the lazy that just see the name and go look at the stats they're probably like why in the world are you talking about ryan dunn but i'm going to explain why i think ryan dunn is a breakout sophomore candidate which is why he's in this episode why i think he has the potential to be a first round pick in the 24 nba draft stay tuned All right, last segment, and I've talked about Ryland Griffin from Alabama. I've talked about Terrence Arsenal from Houston. I've talked about Kylan Boswell from Arizona. I've talked about Roddy Gale from Ohio State. The last pair that I want to discuss is Ryan Dunn, a sophomore from the University of Virginia. Now, Ryan came off the bench. He only played 13 minutes per game, but in those 13 minutes, I think he showed enough flashes that you have to consider him as a player that is due to have a breakout sophomore campaign. I like that 
he showed a, a variety of, of skills. So the main the main selling point for Ryan Dunn, I believe, is that he is a live body, has a good motor. I think he is. I think he's going to find a role in the NBA at the very minimum as like your energy guy, the guy that can finish around the rim, can finish as the role man, as your vertical lobster that can score garbage points. But that is not where it ends with Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn is an NBA level athlete. And I think that this year we're going to see him showcase his full ability as a ball handler. And I'm not saying that he's a creative ball handler off the dribble, but he's comfortable attacking on straight line drives. He's comfortable pushing the ball in transition. I saw a play where he got a steal and he was able to, to I mean, he looked natural pushing the ball down the court, going for a dunk. And I think that we're going to see his ability to knock down open shots. Now, it was a small sample size last year, but he shot 35% on jumpers, which is pretty good. And he shot five of 16 from three, which is, again, a small sample size, but he shows that he is capable of shooting threes. But the, the thing where I have to figure out is, is that the small sample size and is the free throw percentage more of an indicator of his shooting touch because he only shot 50% from the foul line, and he only shot 50% on layups. So there were times that he missed some what I would call bunnies around the rim. So there are some concerns about the touch being inconsistent, but I think that it's fixable. I do think that he has the potential to be a pick-and-roll and pick-and-pop threat. But right now, at the very minimum, very minimum, I think he's going to be a factor as a sophomore with his activity around the rim, whether it's rebounding, whether it's scoring as like the role man, finishing on cuts. And I think defensively he can make an impact because he has the athleticism and the physical tools to be a switchy defender that can defend multiple positions, but he's also a pretty good rim protector. Now he only played 13 minutes per game and he averaged one block per game in 13 minutes. So you have to look at that, and I'm not a big 30 per 36 guy, per 40 guy, because I'm like, well, if you could play 36 minutes, you would play 36 minutes. However, I do think that there is tremendous upside for him to be a, a rim protector that can space the floor and finish with athletic plays around the rim. And that is very valued in today's NBA. So Ryan Dunn is a player that I think is Definitely on the short list of sophomores that I believe are going to have a breakout sophomore season that can propel them to the first round of the NBA draft or even the second round of the NBA draft because based off of their numbers as a freshman, they weren't going to get drafted. But I think the big jump is coming this year. Well, that wraps up this episode. I remember in the next episode, I will have Leaf Tulane and Richard Stamen on. We are going to talk about some of the top two-way players for the 23-24 season. That wraps up this episode. This is Rafael Barlow, and I am out.